Take your Bibles tonight, turn to Proverbs chapter 22, we'll be there. And then also in Psalms 127. You don't have to find both places, I can read them. And I'll have you stand a moment. Josh, if you go ahead and come and help me with that. I have an illustration that I'm going to use this evening. And uh, it's going to require my, some of my son's hunting gear and uh, some of his expertise tonight. About 30 years ago, uh, well actually it was 33 years ago, that Terry and I had the first of our seven children. Uh, that event, of course, as is the birth of all my children, really very memorable to me. Um, we had planned to kind of have a, oh, a natural birth. And at that time, uh, they had like a, a place you could go do that at Hillcrest Hospital, I believe it was. Uh, things didn't really go the way we had planned them to go, and we kind of had to have an emergency C-section. Um, and I remember going through the stress of that. And then, I'll take that, Josh. Thank you very much. And then, um, you know, uh, Terry had gone to the emergency room. I, I had gone in there with her. Um, I was really transfixed right there at her head. I didn't want to move. I, I didn't want to see much. You know, I, I don't like ooh and goo a whole lot. So anyway, <laughs> oh, man. And Jeremiah was in some distress. And I remember, though, you know, it was all done. And they handed me this little baby boy. He was fair-complected. He was red-headed. And, of course, his head was incredibly convoluted because of being stuck in the birth canal. I mean, it was just, he was so ugly. Um, <laughs> I shed a tear because he was there safely, and I shed a tear like, if this is what I'm going to produce, I'm out. <laughs> he shaped up okay in time, you know. But, you know, like all of us, I, I remember fatherhood and parenthood hitting me pretty strongly. And I, I realized that, you know, I was holding biblically the heritage of the Lord. And I had a very grave and important responsibility, you know, ahead of me. And, uh, and so we tried the best we could, you know, to raise our kids. Of course, Rachel came next and then Joshua, who was just up here, and then the remainder of them. It was after three or four of them we realized we needed help. Like, it was just a herd, you know. And we, we were doing the best we could, but we needed more information and we needed more guidance. And so I, I did a lot of study. I endeavored to look at the Word of God. I asked counsel of people who had done this before me. I read a lot of books. And, you know, from that was um, born something that, you know, I have historically called the Purposeful Parenting Seminar. It's a four-part series that I have done. And I've done it really all over the country. We have mailed out these things to lots and lots of people. I, if it's any help, it's because I simply assimilated of course, truths from God's Word and what other people have written and tried to share that with people who are under the same endeavor that we are. In the next few weeks, I'm going to share parts of those things. I, I've intentionally repackaged some of this, and of course, I don't know how that's going to play out. Some of what I'm going to say in the next few weeks will be redundant. Part of that might not be on purpose, but some of it will be. And there are some truths I think we need to hear over and over and maybe said a different way or a second way will capture our hearts attention. And so if, if I'm redundant, I, you know, I always sort of apologize for that. Um, part of that's repackaging and, and part of that is just I feel like some things require being said a couple of times. I'm going to start tonight by kind of leaning into the subject. And by that, I'm not going to start with, you know, hard mechanics, how to spank your child and all that initially. You know, what's really important in the raising of children is the environment they are raised in. And I'm, I'm going to spend some time uh, really with that and kind of an end goal 
for us as parents. So with that little bit of um, you know, introduction, I want to ask you to stand with me. We'll look at the, one of the most familiar verses in the Word of God. We all know this you know, very, very well. And then I'm going to reference the second verse. And I'll just read that, and then I'll pray we'll be seated. But Proverbs 22, 6. Proverbs 22, 6. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, the idea is older, mature, he will not depart from it. You know, when you take a bow and arrow and you intentionally aim it at a target, not randomly, but intentionally, put the arrow in the bow and you aim it there. You know, there's a moment in time when it's released. But when you intentionally point it, the truth of the Word of God here is, is in time, as the arrow con continues in this trajectory, if all has been done well, the arrow will not deviate from its path. And that's what the Word of God is saying here. It's, other variables can influence the direction of the arrow. We understand that. But for our part as parents who hold the bow, we're to point them in a specific direction, and, and then we do our part, and we allow God to do His. Then in Psalms 127, it says, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man. The idea, a skilled archer. As an arrow is in the hands of a skilled archer, a man who does this over and over and over. The Bible says, so are the children of the youth or of his youth. Our Heavenly Father, I, I pray in the next few moments as we consider the metaphors that, Lord, you have presented to us in your word. Lord, you have likened raising children to a man who has been entrusted with a bow and to use it in a way that is proficient to send an arrow to an intended target. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, illuminate them to, Lord, what you intend from the metaphors so we may apply it in our lives and our homes. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. As referenced in the verses that we read together tonight, parenting is likened to the skill, the art of archery. This is a Bible, this is the metaphor the Bible intentionally uses. The word train in Hebrew really comes from this word, the root of it is chanak. And the idea of chanak is, of training, really is sort of like the idea of aiming or pointing. We don't always say it this way today, but if I was to have a gun and it was loaded with a bullet, I would I, I say I'm, I'm going to aim it. But I also say I'm training my sights on something. If I take my, my bow and put an arrow in it, I am training. I am, uh, I'm undergoing a discipline. I, I'm going through a, a set of things uh, uh, that are necessary, but I'm aim, I'm training it at a target out in the future. At its root, the word means to initiate or discipline. So another way, it is to initiate through discipline. It's like you, you start someone in a, in a set of disciplined practices to get to a product. Um, think about boot camp. You know, young men and women who go through boot camp are initiated in a training process. And after that process has been initiated and they have gone through it, they are not the same people on the other side. You know, they, they, they possess, you know, who they are, but now they are also... They are something more. The, the idea in these texts is that as parents, we are to initiate through discipline. 
And, and by discipline, I'll enlarge on this in time, but I mean by the structure you provide, by the guidance, um, by the, the, the training, that through the training and guiding routine of your daily lives, that you will uh, then create a product that, that speeds to a certain direction. We as parents are the source of that training that results in our children moving in a desired direction, as the Bible says, in the way that they should go. In other words, we as parents should have an intended target outcome in mind when we raise our kids. And that's a big part of the idea behind purposeful parenting, is that what is it that you want to train? What, what do you want your children to look like one day? What do you want them to be like? What, I get ahead of myself, what character do you want them to have? You know, it's just one thing to be good people and, and just to kind of do the best you can. And it's an altogether other thing to think, you know, one day I want my child to love people. I want my child to be someone who gives. I, I want my child to care deeply about people. I, I want them to be someone that is like this or like that. And maybe even taking time to write those outcomes down on paper and then ask yourself the question, what do I have to do? What, what is the initiation of discipline I have to engage in over the course of years to help my child become that person? Just wishing and just hoping might get you there, but intentionality, purposefulness will be a better you know, help there, an intended target. Just as a skilled, mighty man or warrior can hit a target using his bow with an arrow, parents have the responsibility to give to their children the ability to reach desired outcomes. Now, those outcomes can be many, and I will spend some time suggesting some biblical outcomes that children should hit one day. But how about just things like this? How about the ability to follow instructions? Just something as simple as that. Or, or submission to authority. How, how do you accomplish that? Having a spirit of kindness, being masculine, being feminine, loving people. These outcomes are best achieved through intentionality, through spending Hours and days and weeks and months and years of practicing as a man does with a bow with his arrow to reach an intended target, it takes the same kind of intentional effort to reach these same outcomes. So in this sense of the word train, we are thinking about that outcome. We are engaging, initiating ourselves and our children in these efforts in the same way an effective marksman would. Um, to be proficient with a bow and an arrow, it takes time. It takes a lot of time. You just can't go out there and shoot something 100 yards away. 100 yards is, a, is really something that most people never can accomplish with, with a regular bow and arrow. But there are people who can do it, and they do so through a lot of time, a lot of practice, a lot of purpose, and a lot of intentionality. And the thought is an arrow can only fly as straight as someone can effectively train or point it. Okay. This is going to be a repetitive theme on purpose. Okay, one more time. An arrow can only fly as straight as someone can effectively train, train, aim, and point it. Children only reach desired outcomes when parents intentionally point them in that direction. Now, that's overstated because there's the grace of God, there's other people's involvement and other truths there. But you understand the point, right? And, I, and I'm going to overstate it, you know, to, 
to try to reach you know, a thought, children only reach desired outcomes when parents point them in that direction, when parents themselves are disciplined. They practice. I had Joshua bring his bow uh, tonight on purpose. Now, Terry has a bow, but she's not quite as proficient as Joshua. I have a crossbow, and even with all the improvements of the mechanics, I'm, I'm not as good as Joshua. I used and bringing his up for a purpose. Um, last year, um, Joshua's hunting with a bow for years and years, uh, and this is not the exact same bow he used then, but he participated in an event called the Total Archery Challenge. And what you do in the Total Archery Challenge is it's just a, it's kind of like a series of things you go through and, you know, guys go through it and they have a bow and arrow and they're, they're shooting all these targets and I don't know if they score what they do, but it's, it's something a lot of guys do. If you're in that world, you, you've heard about it. Well, it kind of culminates in this kind of um, grand effort. And so what they have is a, a caribou silhouette that is 111 yards away. Okay, so those who start in archery, you start out at 20 yards, you hope to get to 30 and 40. And most men who shoot deer or whatever else do so within 50 yards, most likely 40 and, and 30. Um, very few people would try to shoot something anywhere near 111 yards. What they do is have this car caribou silhouette, and then they paint a three-inch square on it. And what happens, I think, and if I'm wrong, don't correct me, but I'll just go with it. <laughs> For those guys who are able to hit that, which are precious few, they go into a drawing to win a truck. Okay, well, long story short, Joshua engaged in that challenge and he hit the three inch square. Now that's sort of a mighty man feat, you know. Uh, that's something that would be, it would, it would be likened to what the scripture is talking about. Here's a guy who is trained and 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 he's proficient in hitting a target. And that's what parents, that's the kind of effort there to give them themselves to. If I was to ask Joshua, and I didn't do so because I already know the answer, how does it, what does it take to do that? He would say time. He would say practice over and over and over. It takes commitment, perseverance. And the point I would like to make on the outset of this series, it is unfair to expect an arrow to fly straight and hit its target when the one holding it doesn't practice when the one holding it is not committed, when the one holding it doesn't give it the full attention that it merits and deserves. And, and, and this text in Psalm 127 goes on to say, children are, they belong to God, they're his heritage. So the, uh, their upbringing requires at least the effort that like my son has given to hitting a target 111 yards away on a three inch square. It demands at least that kind of intentionality. And, and so, let me say it this way. It's, it's when an arrow doesn't fly straight, okay, when it doesn't fly straight, you can blame the arrow. Who else could be blamed? Now, I want to I say this. Is there are lots of variables in life. But when arrows don't fly straight, it just could be that they're uh, is some you know, direct cause and effect between the one holding it. Um, purposeful parenting isn't primarily about training children. It's about training adults. 
It's encouraging moms and dads to do what is necessary over a long period of time, 18 years or more, to help their children hit intended outcomes and targets as described by the Word of God. Again, I'm going to say this, and I just want you to think about it. But a child's behavior is a reflection of the discipline of their parents. Okay? A child's behavior is a reflection of the discipline of the parents. And by discipline, I, I don't mean necessarily the routine that they're engaged in, but the discipline that's in here. The discipline of heart, the committedness they have to inconveniencing themselves over and over and over, or the time it would take to practice with this over and over and over to make something happen. I'll say this several times, there's not, it's not so much that there, is, there are bad children as there is poor parenting. And so I can give tips and hints from the Word of God on what to do specifically, but the first and greatest work is to look inside and ask myself, am I a disciplined person? Am I committed? Can I, am I habituated in routines? I mean, you know, do I make my bed? Is my car cleaned? So there's a house kept up. And I'm not saying those are prerequisites to good parenting, not at all. But they do suggest, you know, how where we are committed to tasks that would translate very well into raising our children. Okay? And so if you're not mad at me yet, we'll continue. <laughs> it's hard for a child to become what a parent is not. It's hard. It's simply to have better behaved children, we have to have better disciplined parents. And that can start really in any area of life. And that's just a thought. So tonight, um, you know, with that splash, I want to borrow primarily tonight from Psalms 127 tonight. And I want to set a context, a backdrop, if you will, a context for parenting. Not the mechanics tonight, but a context. I want us to consider some of the implications and the illustrations that the psalmist referred to tonight. And first, let me say this, parenting isn't a science. Now, I will say this, little kids is more algebraic. You do certain things, you can get some outcomes. But as we all know, as children get older, it becomes more intuitive and more of an art and maybe you know, something more akin to a dance. And, and I really believe overall, parenting is more like art than science. It's a discipline that takes ongoing, ongoing dedication and skill. All too often, we want to use the Word of God like we do a recipe book. You know, well, okay, turn to this page and do these things and I get these outcomes. But that's not the way it really works, not in spiritual things and not in life things. In other words, you can't just do this to get that. Axiomatic outcomes, they're sometimes true, but, but not always, it's not always that simple. You know, Terry wrote a recipe book for all the girls. And it's, it's she kind of a lifetime of what her, she's done and she's given to all the girls. And, but I hear this all the time. The girls call Terry and say, hey, you know, how do I do this? And it's like the instructions are right there. But what they're asking is, is like, how do you do it? You know, in, intuitively, like, what do you do? Like, how do you hold your nose? And how do you do the pinch of salt? And all the things that a good cook does. You all understand that, ladies, or some of you guys. It, it's just, you, you just can't always just follow the, the recipe and get the outcomes. But there's some wisdom involved in the doing of it. You know, there, there's some wisdom in knowing how to apply the principles 
and the truth. There are principles here that we find that we need to emulate. But in the end, it is art. It is intuitive. It's done a little bit by dance and feel. It's like a, 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 someone who used the bow. I, I watch, you know, I watch Joshua help Terry learn to shoot the bow. And he's, he's saying, do this and do that and do all these things. But in the end, there, there's a feel here between the elements, the three elements. There's something that you learn. There's an intuitive nature to it. And, and, and so, let me say it way. Parenting is a bit nuanced. It's not always axiomatic. There's a nuance to it. You need to discover all the principles in the Word of God you can about parenting. And then look here. Then you need the wisdom to use the tool. Does that make sense? There's wisdom in using the tool. Here's the tool. Here's the part. It's how you do it. But, but there's a feel to it. You, you have to understand. There's a give and take, a control and a liberty. There's a restraining and letting go. And it always requires a fullness of discernment. It's a process, not a program. I have often had parents come to me in frustration saying, I am doing this. Okay? I am spanking. I hear it all the time. I am spanking, and the next set of words is, it's not working. Okay? So, you know, it's like I've read the recipe, and it's, it's not doing what God said that it should. You see, it, I, I wish it was that simple. But what that parent needs is to ask God, James 1, if any man lack wisdom, he needs the wisdom, she needs the wisdom to understand the principle and then employ it correctly. And so there's lots of variables to consider when you say that. I'm spanking and it's not working. Okay, stop. How hard are you spanking? Huge difference. Huge difference. Okay, are you making them mad? Are you just a mild irritation? Or are you providing an effective deterrent? Those are completely different things. How consistently are you spanking? Are you doing it when they, when they, every time they disobey? Or are you applying the tool erratically? In what spirit are you doing the spanking? Are you angry? And if so, you're creating an axiomatic effect that you don't want your kids to get. Is that I get spanked when my mom and dad is mad. So there's a lot of wisdom that goes in the employment of the tools of God's Word. And so we as parents... And I'm not trying to be spiritual, but a starting place in parenting is prayer. You know, we, we pray for these great big decisions in life. Should I do this? Should I do that? And yet, you know, raising kids can be so routine because we have them every day. We may not be going to God and saying, Lord, I, I need help. Like I have this situation and Lord, I need wisdom and how to handle my kid when he does this, when she does this, when my kid behaves this way. We need to do two things. We need to immerse ourselves in the principles of the Word of God, and then we need to beg God for the wisdom to know how to use those tools. In the multivariable equation of raising children, don't leave God's wisdom that He gives us out. So to continue the metaphor tonight of raising and crafting children in the way that we might bake something, paint something, or someone with archery might do, this is a hands-on endeavor that requires, you know, full attention of the participant. You know, let's discover and begin to talk about how to train up, how to guide, influence, teach, model, shape, direct our children. We get about 18 years to do this. Um, though I can attest at this stage of my life, parenting isn't over. And by that, I, I don't necessarily mean, you know, authority top down. I mean influence. Because really, as they get older, that's all you have. 
is influence. Um, and so I have learned this in my life. They are probably my teachers as much as I have been theirs. But tonight I want to take a moment and look at Psalms 120 specifically. And I want to talk about, you know, arrow crafting. Today, if I want to buy an arrow, um, I go to Archery Outpost. Or I go to the place um, up in Bartlesville. Um, or I can go to Bass Pro or other places and buy a bow and an arrow. But in biblical times, that was not how it worked. Soldiers, warriors, marksmen made their own bows, and often they made their own arrows. And much like today's uh, guns, um, you know, there's a personal touch to it. If you really want to be a really good marksman, even with a gun, you don't go buy the loads from the store. You hand load your own ammo. You literally make it because you know how much powder's there and you can control velocities and all these things. In other words, you craft it. And that's the idea in the Bible here. There is a very deliberate crafting of an arrow. Uh, there's a distinctive features in every arrow. And, and I want to identify, you know, a few tonight. Of course, there's the shaft, which is the long straight part of the arrow that's most obvious and evident to us today. This arrow, like many other, are made of carbon fiber. And, you know, machine produces these things with specific tolerances. But in the day of the Bible, they were made of wood. And producing a straight arrow was really important, but also very difficult. Because the straighter the arrow, the straighter it'll fly. And there's also something here in the arrow at the very back that's called the knock. And I think you all know this little groove here at the back. And there's an insert that goes into the arrow, but it's a knock. It's a place where the string, or I should say this, it's a place where the arrow and the bow meet. Okay. It's a place where the child and the parent come together. There's fletchings here on the back. Um, these fletchings, I'll get to in a moment, guide the arrow. They, they stabilize the arrow. That's a very important part. In the old days, this is, I think, plastic. In the old days, they were made of feathers. There's a lot of crafting that went into that. And then there's something called cresting. This really isn't so much something we find in modern arrows, but cresting was an identify, identifying mark on the arrow that basically said, this person made me. You know, made by Troy Durrell. You know, it's something that identified the maker and the distinctiveness of the arrow. Today, you know, you can go buy a set of arrows and we think they all look alike and, and they do to the naked eye. But I can promise you this, no two arrows are exactly alike. It's just impossible to make two arrows alike. So cresting was important, just as it is with ammunition. You know, I, I shoot rifles and you think, well, I have a 6.5 Creedmoor and I shoot 143 EDLX ammo. And we think those all is going to shoot target. No, 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 because every bullet out of the same box of the same stuff is not the same, much less a 130 grain bullet of the same caliber. We think they're the same, but they're not. And either our children and the maker needs to take that into account. The point is this, though, when these distinctive elements are constructed well and accounting for the uniqueness of the material itself, the handcraft result holds the potential to fly straight and have its intended impact in life. I want us to think about those four components of an arrow as it relates to the text tonight. In the shaping and crafting of your child's character, in the same way that a man would craft an arrow, well, the first thing we have to give attention to is the shaping of our children's character. Now, this is an overarching thought that's been involved in all the parenting we do. What do I want them to be like? What do I want them to look like? What do I want their character to be? 
And if, you, if we just say good Christians, that's okay, but it's pretty amorphous. It, it, it's, it's not real tight. What, what character do I have? I want them to be a hard worker. Okay, what's involved in producing a hard worker? You follow me? Because just saying be a hard worker doesn't have a lot to it. But making them do chores, helping them build a barn, uh, you, making them do a job, that's something different altogether. That's the process, the initiation of discipline they have to go through to be, have the character to do those things. I want them to learn to show deference. I want them to be humble. I want them to share. We say those words, but what's that look like in daily practice? That's character. And we build that into the fiber of our children by what we do every single day. Years ago, I, I had a shoulder surgery. And because of that, I, I don't shoot a bow. I may try again, but I have a crossbow. I cheat. And a crossbow, like a bow, its intended purpose is to launch arrows. And uh, in time, I'm going to suggest where we launch those arrows. But, but, but let me say this. Um, you know, I, we're, we're launching them at a, at a target, and a specific target with the bow or crossbow. Um, but let me suffice to say that minus core development of character the straightness of an arrow, it'll never fly straight. Um, a crossbow doesn't shoot arrows. It shoots something called bolts. They're similar. They're, they're larger in diameter, um, shorter. And that's because the power of a crossbow is about double that of a bow. And so they, they require to be made right. But when, when I buy them, um, uh, you go in the store, I, I buy them at 10 point, and you buy them by their straightness. So you spend more money on the straight of the arrow. You think, well, they're all straight. They are not all straight. And uh, so I buy them at one one-thousandth straightness from end to end. One one-thousandth straightness. And I, th I think you can buy them a little straighter than that. That costs more money because there's more uh, equipment involved. But the straighter the arrow, the stronger the character, the more ability that that arrow has to fly straight, other variables excluded. And so it's important that we develop straightness or character in our children. As we all know in our own lives, when character or straightness is lacking, we wobble. And wobbling can take you to unintended places. When a man lets his character fall, when a woman lets her character overtake her in a poor way, we do not hit the targets that God intends for us to hit. But when we work on that over and over, day by day, to be straight, to do what God wants us to be, then we have a better chance of being and hitting targets that we are supposed to. Now, listen, even today with carbon fiber technology and all machines we use, there is no such thing as a perfectly straight arrow. That's, that's, it's a myth. It doesn't exist. And either are there perfect kids. That doesn't exist. And I'll talk about later what, you know, what's reasonable. You know, there's a time to let kids be kids. They're not robots. And, uh, and so we have to have some discernment there. But nevertheless, a straight arrow is better than an effective one. So an arrow straightness is likened to their character. From Genesis to Revelation, being conformed to the image and character of Christ is a biblical goal. But character development is hard. It takes time. It doesn't come quickly. It's not something we can have on the cheap. Think about character as the fiber in a tree. A tree grows over a lifetime. And the longer it grows, the more fixed its character becomes. So you and I have about 18 years 
to help guide our children in character so that when they old, they'll have the same character to continue in the same trajectory. A tree can be like a, something that's blowing in the wind and the wind can bend it. But if you, if you stake it up and you, and you tie it, if you train it, it can grow straight. But it takes that guidance for years before the, the ropes can be let go. And then in time, the wind's blowing can actually be a strength to it, but not too prematurely. So it's the parent's task to intentionally help their child develop the fiber and the character that they, that they do not possess as a child. Does that make sense? And initially, you know, we have some ability to say no to things. A child has a lesser ability to say no to things because of indulgence. So what we do is we guide them and help them learn no. And then we go, you know, from there. But that's often the starting place. In time, we teach them to be kind and good and patient and self-restrained. But there's, there's a lifetime of effort that's given to that. We have to be intentional in teaching a child to share, to wait, to make good choices. And it takes our effort over and over and over and over and over. And it takes a lot of inconveniencing of ourselves. Get up and take care of it. Get up, I feel embarrassed, take care of it. Over and over. Okay. And over and over. Sometimes for 18 years or more. And of course, we all know God's not finished on any of us yet. Indulgence, permissiveness, anger, and inconsistency all create poor character development in us, and then we transfer that to them. Character development. It's also critically important to develop a strong relationship with your child. The knock on the arrow back here is the place where the bow and the arrow meet. Relationship. If this connection is not sure, it's not tight, you will blow up your bow. This last year, I put a bolt in my crossbow. I thought it was secure. It was not. Does anybody see what happens when that happens? I pulled the trigger, and the whole thing blew up. It's a little bit dangerous. <laughs> I'm more careful now than I was before. And the arrow certainly didn't go where I intended and it cost me a little bit of money. <clears throat> the place where the bow and the arrow meet is important. It has to be secure. It has to be bound together. There will never be an effective transfer of power, no matter all the principles employed, if the relationship does not hold the two together. In like manner, there's something on the back called fletchings. They stabilize the arrow. As the arrow flies, it creates drag on the back. And so what it does, it keeps the arrow from doing this after it's released. It keeps it flying like this. When this is misaligned, when there's not proper relationship between the fletchings and the arrow, it spins out of control. The point? Relationship is often the stabilizing factor in raising our kids. If you were to ask me today, after 33 years of parenting, what has given me the ability to continue to speak into my children's heart? Why are they here? Why do they come to my house? Why do they ask my advice? Um, to a degree, why do they love the Lord? Okay. Not perfectly straight arrows, because I'm not. But the answer is always going to be relationship. 
relationship. I'm not talking about loving them. We all love our kids. And I think our kids love us. I'm talking about the nuanced um, connection that is incredibly important that comes with talking and listening, trying to understand. Obviously, there's more of this with the older our children get. It, it's, it's the relationship. This is so important. And the essence of every relationship or the strength of every family is relationship. That's true in a marriage, is it not? A marriage is primarily about relationship. Oh, it's a commitment. But if you want to be good, it's more than that. Is that true? Isn't it a joy to see siblings get along? Relationship. And that is true between a parent and their child. I'm talking about context in raising kids. How do I, how do I get the desired outcomes? I have watched parents be very strict and permissive. I, 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 and I have my, my thoughts. But as a general rule, I have observed that despite some differences in parameter or ways of doing things, parents who have a close connection, relationship with their kids, despite the differences, almost always hit the intended target down the road. Now, there are, that's not always true. How do I raise my kids? What should I, where should I start? What, what things should I do first? Love their mother. The greatest gift that any man can give to his children is to desperately and deeply love their mother and for them to know it and see it. It's a big deal. It's irreplaceable. The greatest gift that a mother can give to their sons is to desperately and deeply love their dad. I was teaching one time and I had a, Terry came to the school that I was teaching at and she came in and we had a brief interaction. I, I didn't think much of it. And uh, I kissed her when she left and when she left, this girl was in the class, she started weeping. And she came up and I asked her what's wrong. And she, she simply said, you know, I, I just wish that my mom and dad could love each other like this. And she was having some trouble in life. You want to be a good parent? Start with being a good spouse. Trying to grow good kids out of bad soil is really tough. It's really tough. If we fail there, a tragedy can result. Now listen, and look up here. I, I understand we live in a very blended culture. And I am so incredibly grateful for the grace of God. Um, love covers a multitude of sins. That's true in a blended family. That's true between Terry and I. We have had our share of dare I say, fights and differences. But love takes care of it. We fix it. And our kids see that we fix it. They know I love her. And they know she loves me. I don't know how to measure what that does to them, but it's a, it's, it's a big part of, of who they are. It's not something that can be taken for granted. Relationship in the home. Relationship between siblings. And I want to say to you, you want to have good kids, you all need to have good relationships in here. You can't leave this place and talk bad about me and talk bad about each other and expect to have good kids. You might get it, but that is really poor parenting. 
You can't talk bad about one another in, in the church. and all. If you, your attitude is bad in relationships, that, that is just an incredibly poor way to parent. So if you want to go home and have a better uh, family, then work on your marriage. Edify each other. Encourage each other. And apologize and forgive. And I'm going to hasten. Number three is cresting. An archer understands that no two arrows are alike and the same true in, you know, in anything. A marksman must know the identifying marks and the composition of his arrows and then work with it accordingly. The crest was the identifying marker on an arrow that, that said who made it. This is really important in today's world. Parents need to be intentional and purposeful about cresting, identifying their children in two ways. First of all, they need to know who they are. My seven children, I'd have never thunk it. They are so different. Like no two of them alike. Now, from your observation, you may see similarities. I look at them and I see a smorgasbord. They're just so different. And there were some things that I never deviated from. I was always firm. I, was, I tried to always be consistent. I love them all, but I didn't necessarily shoot them all the same way. Jeremiah and Rebecca, different. Rachel and Joshua, yeah, the same. Um, but you get the idea. And there's some nuance in that. And understand who they are. And then you have to not only understand who they are, you need to tell them who they are. You are my child, and I love you. You are God's child, and He loves you. You are made for a purpose. You are made to do good. And we need to speak these things to the hearts. We need to speak life's most important words to them. I'm proud of you. You can do it. Uh, these are incredibly important that we speak these things. All of us ask the existential question, who am I? And we need to help our kids understand who they are. You belong to me. You are part of this church and you exist for these purposes. You're a child of God. So in part, I'm talking about personalities and sensitivities that have to be worked with, with in degree. A horse and dog trainer don't treat any two of those animals the same, but they understand them. But then they use some principles that are always the same. Firmness, firmness, expectation, compliance, obedience, love, positive words, and no anger. We have to know them. And then in today's culture, okay, listen, parents need to be intentional and affirming about those children and who they are as God created them. Again, Christian, recipient of grace, to be good, self-giving, and you are male and you are female. There was a day when that could be taken for granted that the social capital reaffirmed what was expected not so. Deliberate social agenda to be confused about that. And I've talked to Andrew about this, and I've had Andrew talk to the parents about this. This is, a, this is part of purposeful parenting that we cannot take for granted anymore. We have to teach young men and young women who they are and reaffirm biblical ideology, biblical responsibility, biblical role and our children. If you leave that to TikTok and Instagram, you're in trouble. You just can't assume anymore. You have to be intentional, but about teaching the Bible. And by the way, biblical stuff is not for debate. It, I don't care what some court may say, what the Bible says cannot be redefined. Um, we have to, there's a lot of things we can choose, but our biology and what's in our chromosomes is not up for choice. 
And masculine femininity should take time and purpose. And then when I mean that, it's not just gender identity, but gender responsibility, chivalry, uh, kindness, and the things that go with both those, which is something I may get to in time. And I'm going to hasten. And then finally, an arrow has a point. And all points aren't the same. This is a target um, point. This is what you shoot into when you're practicing. There's another head that's exactly the same weight, but it's a broad head, and it's, it's meant to shoot at something, you know, some kind of game. And every arrow has, should have an arrowhead, a point, uh, a target. Children have a purpose, and so do you. And it's our job to help give our children purpose. Um, one day, Joshua, you're supposed to be a good husband and dad. And that's your purpose. And Rebecca, you're to be a good mom and mother. And all of you are to be good Christians. And you're supposed to love the Lord and serve him. And that's the most important thing you can do with your life. Not your job, not your vocation. You're to work hard and have ethics and all things, but serving God is the absolutely most important thing in life. And say it over and over and over. Point them in a direction and give them purpose. I want you to make a difference. I want you to be a good person. Be a good dad. One day, be a good church member. Give like I give and love like I love. Have a work ethic. Help people and be you know, an encourager. Purposeful parenting is what will get the job done.